from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to Superiority Complex, your new favorite podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's Snyder Cut Week. That's all we've been talking about on the internet. The Snyder Cut. Oh, God, give me the Snyder Cut. Here it is, four hours long. None of us watched it. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> I hear good things, though. I hear good things about it. Uh, my Hashtag committed. My favorite. But am I interested? My favorite review so far comes from our friend Kyle Dotson. Uh, the producer over at, uh, or former producer over at uh, Rock Solid, uh, his 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 take on it was: Did they set out to tell the story they wanted to? Yes. Was it a good story? No. That was his uh, review. And uh, hmm. I'm about an hour into it, and I can agree. <laughs> it's just boring. It's just boring. Uh, God bless you, DC, for trying. God bless the fanboys who demanded that this be made. I guess. I guess this is. I guess I'm worried that people are just going to go. Well, let's just make Suicide Squad again because the first one sucked. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. This was unique because 80 percent of the movie was lying on the cutting room floor. So this is actually kind of a different movie, isn't it? Uh, Same story, but different, completely yeah. different telling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll, get, I'll be able to tell you more when I'm done with it. I'll, I will tell you what. I was uh, really impressed with the the sequence with the Amazons. That was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you can't take anything from Zack Snyder. He's a good action director. Um, does he overuse slow-mo? Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I tell the same seven jokes on the podcast, so who am I to judge, you know? And mm-hmm. um, But... Uh, it's just the way that DC went about this. I think it's it's it, we all have to lay it on the feet of Christopher Nolan, and um, you know it, the the Batman trilogy. His Batman trilogy was compelling, even though it was dark. It was very compelling. <laughs> but now DC just wants to go in that direction. And they do try to lighten it up a little bit, but everything looks muddy and gray, and it's just you know. I will say this: um, the 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 DC movies at least have an interesting look. John, you saw that video we watched on Kurosawa. And right. they pulled that scene out of the Avengers. The Avengers all have a very, most of the movies, except for like Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy, which are, you know, you have uh, two very good directors there. But most of the Marvel movies have a very generic look about them. Um, and they need to because that's a 23 story 23 picture arc <laughs> so they need to kind of look like they're interconnected you know yeah if you had wildly different styles it wouldn't work and i think that's what made wandavision work as a television show because most of those marvel movies are basically shot like a big budget television show you're not doing a lot of wildly cinematic stuff you're just basically you're right john you need to be able to cut and paste Doctor Strange needs to look like, you know, aside from when he goes into the multiverse, but it needs to look like uh, Ant-Man so that then when Ant-Man and Iron Man are together and Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, they look like they're from, from the same universe. So I get what you're saying. I think yeah. that's, I think some directors had a problem with that. That might have been what happened with Edgar Wright, you know, where they said, it's got to be like this. And some directors didn't like that. <laughs> they wanted to have a little more of their stamp on it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. And so I will say that Zack Snyder's stamp is all over this movie. So if you're a Zack Snyder fan, you're already going to be, it's already a win. I just think right. that I'm maybe not a fan. I was, I like his early stuff. I liked his remake of Dawn of the Dead. I thought his version of Watchmen was pretty good, even though 
the studio changed some stuff. And uh, Justine, that noise you're hearing is not us going through a tunnel. Justine is doing her, um, she's folding laundry for the, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to kill two birds with one stone. We're trying to do a little bit of the ASMR thing. So all of you who are into the ASMR are going to hear Justine. I'm now folding a, uh, a quilt comforter, a goose down comforter. She's going to be doing that a little bit of that. jacket is so noisy. Goose down. She is wearing, uh, Justine did put on Oh, a, sorry. I a, was trying to like help a, Mario out. but She's wearing a satin Dodgers jacket. God bless her. It looked Here, cool. hold on. Where's my, uh, let me, hold on. Sorry, my headphones are, um, what do you call that, Patrick? Headphones. Well, let me print the you giants. Let me print the giants logo again. Hold on. You're actually gonna print. It's, you're uh, gonna waste ink on a giants logo. <laughs> I did last week. I can do it again. My headphones. When I have both of them in, you can't hear anything uh, except what you're listening to. Oh, okay. So I don't hear anything outside. So if my dog were to bark right now, I wouldn't even know because oh, they're noise. They're noise canceling. Yeah. Thank you. Noise can't so you don't yeah. so you don't hear how loud your jacket is. Yeah, yeah. That's no, fine. I don't hear it at all. I hear nothing. Well, what else? Here's what we're gonna do. We're making big announcements. So aside from ASMR Corner with Justine, which is gonna be going on throughout the show, Justine is gonna pop in every once in a while with some true crime stuff, just so that we're covering all the bases and we'll have the most popular podcast of all time. We're really gonna try to cover all those bases. Everything that's popular. We're also gonna be I mean Jake's gonna be doing TikTok stuff. What? So that's going to be because he's a baby. No, I hate TikTok. You love TikTok. Yeah. No, I don't. You love it. It's your favorite thing. It's it's the same as Vine. It's like it's like Vine, but just a little bit longer. It's stupid. You love mm. it. You love it. Mm-mm. No. You see, you're like a Zack Snyder, Jake. Your creative vision can't be done in six second snippets. You need four hours to tell a story about uh, fictional characters. Now that reminds me of a story. Now let me tell you. <laughs> let me now, tell you about the day I was born. Now let me tell you. I mean, let me, I, I, we watched Seven Samurai last week, and I, mm-hmm. I told you about how that movie doesn't feel like it's three and a half hours. To me, the Justice League so far feels very much like, and maybe because I've seen some of this before, but it is a different animal so far than the the Joss Whedon. Um, mm-hmm. Take John. So we'll have to get you to watch it, John. Are you interested in it at all, John? Are you interested in seeing it? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested in seeing it. I because I didn't think Justice League was all that great, so I'd like to see another take on it. You know, I don't know if I need a four hour take, but I'm I'm very interested. And I think they stuck in some Martian Manhunter stuff, and mm-hmm. some weird you know stuff that wasn't in the original. I know it won't be much, but it might be interesting. I would love Mario. To can I get a my Can I get a my man counter? My uh, man. The original cut. <laughs> And then the Zack Snyder yeah, cut. So I want to see how somebody, many more mom bands are there in this movie. If, if someone out there, I'll, I'll tell you what, there is very, uh, the, the, the Jason Momoa is smoldering in this one. In this <laughs> smoldering. Smoldering. He's <laughs> uh, got that smolder. Uh, need a mop, Mario? Can you, can you need the mop? No, no, no. It's, it's nothing, it's not mop levels. We're not talking William Holden and Bridge on the River Kwai in those 1940s Speedos. But uh, we're, you know, he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, a, a what it would, a paragon, not a paragon. What's the yeah. word I'm looking for? He's, not a mop, a towel, just a towel. Just to- oh, yeah. He's a, he's not, he's a, Momoa's not my man crush type. You know, my man crush type. I'm like a Harrison Ford. That's my, that's my guy right there. Mm-hmm. Kind of just a little gangly. Maybe a little, maybe a little Connery. Maybe a little Connery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Justine just made a face. I know. 
She just made a frowny. She made a scrounchy. So if you guys have seen the the Justice League, the the Zack Snyder cut, check it out and uh, let us know what you thought. I mean, we don't take our word for it because three of us aren't going to watch it. I'm going to half watch it. Tweet us at Soup Complex. That's right. Tweet us out. Tweet us out. Oh, by the way, and um, I've seen a terrible DC movie before, so I feel like I've already seen it. <laughs> DC movies more bad than good, I would I would say, uh, more bad than good. Um, they just don't. They just can't get their. They can't get their tone right. You know what they're good at though? Disappointing. Yeah. You know what? Well, they're just a darker film. Just stick with being a dark movie. It's just okay. Be dark. Just be dark. It's, it's okay. Fine. You don't have to try to throw in a couple of funny gags because Marvel does it. But Shazam was Shazam was actually quite good, and so was the one the original Wonder Woman. But that's the character. The that character is, you're right. A little, you're, right. you're right. But they did they took a lighter tone with uh, with Shazam, okay. even though it still was winter and, and it's all gray. Mm-hmm. It's always so depressing. Like who wants to live in a depressing superhero world? I don't I'm know. okay with a depressing world. Just. Stick to it. Just don't make a good annoying. movie for the character. Don't try to make a good movie. That, it's not the funny t- in the middle. Don't make it's it, not don't the tone that's, it's it not the tone that's screwing it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the story. It's the dialogue. It's you know, the tone doesn't screw up these DC movies. You don't think it, it is what it is. You don't think the tone hurt like a character like Superman. You don't think that hurts Superman. <laughs> no, it's okay by me. That we've seen enough light Superman. I'm not even that interested in Superman. You want to go darker with him, like. Like the what was that Man of Steel? That was fine. That was almost a different approach. They never go dark with Superman, so uh, it's fine. But I just make it a good script, make it good dialogue. You know, I don't mind if you go dark. Uh, let's face it; these movies have been going dark since the Keaton Batman's. That was the decision. It all starts there. You know, Burton decides to make it. You know, the the set design is just really dark, mm-hmm. and they never really back away from that, except for those. Uh, abominable uh, Joel Schumacher Batmans. Pretty much, they they stick with the dark tone. I think it works for Batman. I don't even necessarily need uh, light Superman. I don't care if you want to go a little darker with the character. But uh, you're right. Superman's kind of boring, and so when you put him in like this grayed out world, it it makes yeah. it even more boring. So not only you now you're bored and depressed for me. Yeah. So it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, Adam. <laughs> out of if all of these the la- character if you write a good character it's like a good movie. yeah i agree with jake the, the thing with that man of steel is it actually worked as a movie it worked i didn't think that was bad and uh you know again i don't really care about superman i thought that was a pretty pretty good story it was not bad it was not too long but they seem to just keep making these missteps all the movies that came after man of steel they can't quite Get it together. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what this one looks like. Seen likes when he comes out of the ocean shirtless. Yeah. Mm. Oh, this time. Hell yeah. This time you get to see him going mm-hmm. into the ocean shirtless. Oh no, that you. I'm talking. Yeah. Aquaman. That's a Quaman. Sorry. My man. My man. And I like Jason Momoa. I, I don't mind that you've done. I always like. I don't know. I don't mind that you've done this biker take on Aquaman. That's fine. Whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you need to do, they had to make him cool somehow. Yeah, whatever you need to do to make him cool, because Jason Momoa is just like a likable person. Like you know what I mean? He's mm-hmm. got that persona where you're like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, I like this cat. Gonna hang out. Yeah, I'm gonna, gonna hang, hang out, have a beer yeah. with Aquaman. Yeah, I can't quite put my finger. And it's not even that I care. I'm not a Marvel versus DC guy because I think that the DC animated movies are fantastic. All those, an- those, yeah. those animated movies have all been great. DC's done some great job on TV. Um, the original Teen Titan show is fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the animated Batman series is probably one of the greatest animated shows of all time, and probably one of the best Batman movies or Batman series of all time. Uh, you know, if they had put that Gotham by Gaslight out as a feature, it would have been great. You know, that just was wonderful. That animated Gotham by Gaslight, that was just great. Yeah. So it's not like they don't have a take on these characters or they don't know what to do with them. Uh, I think they just get in this idea that they have to out Marvel Marvel and that gets yeah. them in trouble. <clears throat> that, that gets them in trouble. They're racing to catch up in the films, but in the comics and everything else, they're fine. So mm-hmm. and it's also, uh, you know, I don't care about these. Thanos was fine, um, but the um, the bad guy in this one is... Um, uh, Darkseid? No, it's not Darkseid. It's, um, I can't think of his name. Beowulf? Is it, is it Steppenwolf. Beowulf? Steppenwolf. It's Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. Uh, boring. Again, boring. These kind of mythological, like, why is Batman fighting a mythological guy? You know what I mean? It just doesn't, doesn't make yeah. any sense. It doesn't make any sense. That's what happens when you put when you put Batman in the Justice League. That's the problem. You know, he's better when he's on the ground fighting criminals in Gotham. When you stick him in a, a society of superheroes fighting uh, menaces from outer space, he gets lost in the shuffle. There's just no way around it. You know? Yeah, that's not his bag. That's not his bag. Like, yeah, hey, I'm going to hop in my spaceship or fly up there. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not what he does. So it's always kind of like, hey, hit your ride in the rocket ship. We're going to go off and you know, tackle this thing that's riding a meteor. You know, it's like, that's not really what he does. You know, yeah, that's, that's a he's green your friendly one. neighborhood Batman. Yeah. That's what the green mm-hmm. lantern's for. You already have the green lantern. You don't need Bruce Wayne up there. And you know, there you go. Because if that movie had not been a flap, uh, you know, the green lantern movie, it wasn't such a terrible flop. They would have worked them into this justice league movie. And that might've made some sense. Cause there's a guy who's flying around, uh, battling, uh, you know, aliens and stuff. I will say, John, you do get a flash of one of the lanterns. And no pun intended. Mm. No pun intended. But you do get a little mm. bit of the. They do kind of a Lord of the Rings thing to set up why the, um, you know what the, what the plot is. So it's you know it's worth checking out. It's it's I'm I'm a third of the way into it. I had a really busy week, so I wasn't in the best mood to catch it. So I'm I'm kind of poo pooing it a little bit. But uh, you know if the, if the fanboys are happy and this is something you waited for for four years, enjoy it, man. I mean I'm glad you got your. I'm glad it worked out for you. You know. I just don't want it to turn into, hey, we need to do this with all the other DC movies. And it's like, nope, you had your shot. I don't want to see another Green Lantern. I don't want to see another reincarnation. I think this was um, this was unique. I don't know how many movies have like more than half of the movie sitting in a vault somewhere. Most movies, they kind of decide. This was a weird situation where Joss Whedon kind of like reshot, rewrote, kind of reshuffled the whole thing. I don't think there's too many movies where they've got an alternate cut somewhere. That's kind of rare, you know, when you think about it. I know they did it with Blade Runner. They did it with uh, with the uh, Richard Donner Superman. That was interesting to see Superman 2. That was, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the director's cut of that. It was like a whole other movie. And it was better. It was all the stuff they cut out. But I don't know how many times you've got an enti- almost an entire movie sitting around that didn't get released. So yeah. I don't know that they're going to, you're going to, I don't know that you're going to see a lot of this anymore. I mean, in fairness to, to Snyder, he got pulled off because of a personal tragedy. And then, you know, you, you got a chance to finish your movie. So, you know, yeah. th- there's, there's that, you know, as much as I sound like I'm, you know, dissing him, you know, I think he, he deserves a shot to make the movie he wants to make. So... Mm-hmm. But where I, I where I disagree with all the people that were saying, see, I told you the, the Snyder cut was better. You know, there was stuff reshot, there was stuff added, things like that. So it wasn't sitting in the vault perfect. 
I think that's the that's the takeaway that uh, some no, and that's why it took some money because they kind of took a, a gamble. They had to, you know, he took what what was it like twenty million or something? He needed more money to get it together. He had to reshoot some stuff. You know, it wasn't just yeah, you're right. It wasn't just laying there ready to release. He had to get it back together. He needed to reshoot a few things. I think he called a few actors back, and and had to kind of like stitch together some connecting scenes. And you know this would all be a moot point if that first Justice League had been a hit. This would be a moot point; nobody'd care, you know. <laughs> but because it was underwhelming and it would wasn't a hit, they thought, "Well, God, is there any way <laughs> to squeeze another life out of this thing?" John, I'm going to need you to watch both side by side and give us. Well, I've seen the. I'm not going to sit through that first one again. I saw it. I saw. You know, once was <laughs> enough. I can remember. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Sit down, and watch it before I sit through a four hour version of the same movie. All right. But I'll remember. I'll remember what I sat through two years ago. Remember. For those of you, for those of you sitting at home, not not watching at home, Justine just left one screen and then appeared on Patrick's screen. Not on. Look at what the. Uh, it's a fan. It's our biggest it's fan. fan. One of so fan. now one of us needs to. Uh, one of us needs to say, Saigon, Christ. I was still in Saigon. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love talking to you guys. Isn't that the opening shot? The, the fan the in fan. the apocalypse now. Right after you hear the, all, right after you hear the doors. The horror. The horror. This Saigon. The end. Christ, My I was still in Saigon. friend, the end. Hey, we didn't. Uh, God, I, I've completely gone blank. Did we watch Apocalypse Now? We sure did. Mm-hmm. Okay. What'd you guys? I forgot. N- I forgot that show. Justine is glancing very nervously. Asking because she knows I'm about to ask what we gave Apocalypse Now, but we all gave it tens. I remember, I remember that very. Clearly. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> she don't don't do it. Don't no, do it. Justine, don't say you don't, it. We don't need to. Don't That's ask fine. it. Don't we ask did, it. We did watch it. Okay. Is that weird? I can't remember that. I can't remember what our responses were. I mean, I know what I remember what my response was, but I can't I remember. Mean, we watch so many movies. We've literally watched. I know hundreds of movies. Do not start. Hundreds. Do not start. What did we rate it again? <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's a good actor. Mm-hmm. What did I? What did? What did I rate it? I just want to know what I rate. I'm guessing. I, mean, I don't know. I can't remember. My gut says it was an eight. Everybody, I think I gave it a ten. Everybody got. Everybody gave it a ten. Mm-mm. And if they didn't, they lost the show. Ooh, And you know, when I said eight, I really meant ten. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser! <laughs> I think uh, that might have been one of those movies I gave it an eleven to. <laughs> Jake, while we're waiting for Justine to pull up that information, why don't you tell us a little about a little bit about the libation you're enjoying? The libation. Oh, I'm enjoying a nice uh, raspberry gimlet. How did you make it? Um, I muddled some raspberries with some gin in a mortar and pestle because I don't have a muddler mm-hmm. or a shaker. What about what about a molcajete? A huda what? What's a mud? What's a muddler? He was a Batman villain. Not very popular. Yeah, uh, someone who gets into <laughs> other people's business, John. Mm-hmm. The muddler. The muddler. The muddler. Are you guys ready for your scores? Muddle me we this, are. Batman. And then he hands you uh, mint and a lime. Uh, go ahead. Give I us see. your scores. <laughs> Patrick and John gave it a 10. Jake gave it a 9. Mario mm. gave it an 8. Anita gave it a 5. Oh. And I gave it a 6. Mario gave Ooh, it an ouch. 8. Yep. An ouch. Eight? Ouch. I, That's I, weird. I thought that was across the board. No way. Yeah, I thought that was a big one. It was, but if uh, 
if what if, happened? If uh, Brandon Brando hadn't shown up fat and ruined the last third of the movie, it would have been a ten. I think it's a miracle he did as well as he did as a fat bald man. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> say what? <laughs> Us, fa- or us fat bald men have to stick together. Hey, by the way, and this, this <laughs> is no in no way this made me think of it. But how are you feeling? You, last week when we were recording, you got you were getting some some symptoms from the second dose you took. Uh, no, it was a, it was the first dose. I haven't had the second dose yet. Oh, that all that crazy uh, effect side effects was from the first shot. <laughs> uh, I was much better. Like the next day, I was back to normal. Okay. And then the day after that, I went, I went back to work the day after that. So, uh, but I did take a test because I thought, what if, uh, just for my own peace of mind, I thought, what if I got it before I got the shot? So I, I took a test at, uh, Walgreens and it came up negative. So now what I'm hearing is though, now this is not scientifically proven, but these are the, the All right. what they're saying is that people who react to the first shot had been exposed to COVID somewhere along the line. Ah, interesting. Is that what they're saying? That's what they're saying. That is what the, interesting. That's what the word on the street is. I don't know if that's been proven yeah. or disproven, but that's the take that some people are. are. Well, it was weird because it didn't last long. It was pretty crazy, but then it, 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 about 24 hours, it was over. But I thought, ah, what if this is something like I got it before I got the shot or something? So I thought, I'm just going to get, you know, because now it's not so hard. The Walgreens are doing tests like drive through tests. Mm-hmm. And I got the results about two days later it wasn't one of those 24 hour i guess some of them were even like an hour this was one where they had to like mail it in but uh two days later i got i got the email back that it was negative so did you get the the moderna or the pfizer the moderna or the pfizer i got the pfizer i got the i took my first dose on friday Uh, hey great got really tired that night but uh woke up the next day Felt a slightly queasy felt a little nausea for like a day but then I, i was fine Nothing, nothing major. Just felt a little like, blech. but right uh, on. But nothing major. Right on. And, cool. Uh, I go back. So. Uh, I go back in three weeks to get uh, dose two. Uh, now, state of California is saying by May every adult should be able to be vaccinated. We're actually ahead of the national. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'll be nice when everybody can just go get it yep. and not have to like you know. Everybody sixteen and above. Come. By the way, if you're out there and you're listening and you're in California and you're in a group that is uh, eligible, uh, I would say don't go skip using myturn.gov and do what John did and go to directly to the pharmacy website at like four in the morning, CVS, Walgreens, uh, uh, Rite Aid. They reset their their website about at four every morning for the net following day and all the appointments that are open uh, show up. And that's how I was able to go. And I got on. On a Monday, where'd you go? I went under. I went to CVS. I got it on a Monday, mm. and then uh, Friday. By Friday, I had my vaccine, and it was mm, cool. I was in the store waiting there, maybe about ten minutes after check in, and then they have you wait about fifteen minutes to make sure there's no uh, major. Uh, uh, if you don't have any ma- a reaction to the a bad reaction to the shot, and then you're on your way. The pharmacies seem to have it. They seem to have it together. You know, I know there's a lot of. Uh, bottlenecks and uh, confusion but the pharmacy cvs and uh, walgreens seem to have it together as far as uh signing up and getting in yeah i, I was very very smooth uh so go get it as soon as you can please patrick and then we can all go to the, then we can all go to the movies we can all go to the movies together 
King Kong versus Godzilla next week. Are you pumped? We could all go together. Is everybody gonna watch that? You better. No. What? What? You you're not gonna Is watch it next week? Next week, huh? It's the thirty first. You're not gonna watch King Kong versus Godzilla? I didn't watch the, the Destroy All Month, this King of Whatever. Other one. Oh, I didn't see that either. Oh my god. It wasn't good. Was it but, good? But you should have seen it. I don't want to watch not good movies. That's what I really <laughs> do with the ones that we have here. But you already watched Zardoz. Nothing could be worse than that. By the way, there are a bunch of 70s movies for $7 on uh, on Vudu right you now. You better not. And no. Zardoz was on there, and I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Get like, it. No, thank you. Not even worth $7. Not even that. Get it. I did buy a, 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 a Pam Greer movie, though. Um, guys. So no, no. Did anyone watch Falcon and the Snowman? No. <laughs> Falcon and the Snowman. Remember that movie, John? <laughs> yeah, well, not a bad movie. Falcon, not bad. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's the new uh, Marvel show. Uh, it completely got uh, buried by it was the Snyder Cut because nobody's talking about it. Right. Uh, bad timing. <laughs> Bad timing oh, for them. Good timing if you're D- DC, but uh, yeah, it's it. Uh, I saw the first episode. Uh, looks like it's going to be a more uh, a, a, a show that gives uh, Marvel fans a little more of what they're used to, a little straightforward kind of action series. But they do seem to be going into some, you know, uh, you know, some of Bucky's trauma, having been turned to the Winter Soldier, and uh, and dealing, and it shows you a little bit of what it's like to be. Uh, a superhero when you're not a superhero, you know, Falcon is dealing with like financial struggles and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, two likable characters. We'll see if it pans out into a show. The first episode was enjoyable, but, uh, nothing to me, to me, nothing that what, nothing game changing. So we'll see, we'll see what happens as the show goes on. But you guys realize you change your life. You guys realize mm-hmm. we do have a pop culture podcast. So you might want to, Tune into some of this stuff once in a while. Is uh, Black Widow? Uh, Black Widow's what? April? They're going to put that out. They're going to put it out on uh, direct on video and in the movie. Uh, but uh, theaters too. I heard That's they're right. going to put it in That's theaters. Right. Yep. You'll get to see. Is that going to be April? I don't know when, but you'll be able to see Red Red Sparrow uh, in at, at at the house and uh, on on screen. Hmm. Or Atomic Blonde. Black Widow. Or, I'm sorry. Black hey, Widow. Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. I'm sorry. I can't wait till we watch that. It's on. It's on so the list. Good. We'll get it to yeah, it. We'll so get good. to it about twenty twenty five. Twenty twenty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> At this point. Somebody write that down and see if we hit it around twenty twenty five. Okay. I think you're talking to me. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> uh so Jake Only you, someone was our so secretary. Jake, Jake, you have the you, you Jake, so you put a did you just call her a secretary? What are you doing? Um, it keeps track of our scores. She's the scorekeeper, not a secretary. Yeah, he's trying to get beat up or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, he's got what we call liquid courage. Liquid courage, right no. now. <laughs> no, I would have said it. That gin gimlet is really making him feel uh, strong right now. I'll take you all out. No. I'll tell. I'll slug every last one of you. Mm-hmm. I'll slug no, every you one of you. I'll hit you so hard, I'll kill your whole family. Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about the. It's Digital Movie Club, guys. Are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, we never finished. 
War. We, I'm sorry, Jake. We never finished telling you. You never finished telling us how mm-hmm. that gimlet was made. So you it mu- was, I muddled some raspberry, a little bit of gin, and a mortar pestle. Mm-hmm. Put it into a glass with some ice. And then I put some lime juice and simple syrup and shook it up. Did you, you know what would have been nice is if you would have muddled the lime in there too. Ah, that would have been good. But I have fresh squeezed lime juice, so I just use that. Oh, beautiful, man. That's a that's a good craft cocktail. Yeah. And uh, is Sandy partaking while she's Delicious. in class? Uh, not at the moment, but I have forced her to try all of the drinks that I make. And she said that that one is probably her favorite. Yeah, that's nice. You forced her? Mm-hmm. Because she forces me to try all the foods that she makes, all the random desserts and stuff. Yeah, that. Oh, that yeah, sounds like torture. Oh, uh, it's awful. Yours it's is, awful. Yours is wrong and dirty. It's just. Awful, <laughs> I'm a trooper. Forcing drinks down on her throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she found out that she I likes <laughs> gin's probably her favorite. It's her favorite spirit. Oh, she likes you know paint thinner and Everclear. Got it. Jesus. No, we got some nice gin. I don't remember what it was called. I saw it at Trader Joe's. It was good. Ah. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it. It was like a like a like a clear blue bottle with some gold inlay on it. It's really pretty. Bombay? No, not Bombay. I'd have to look. I can go look right now if you no, really want me no, to. No, it's fine. You can. We can get that later. We can get that information yeah. later. It's, I like it. All right. Kind of, kind of spicy. Justine's all done with the laundry. She's back in her spot with the... Justine likes to be on camera with the sun coming in behind her. It gives her a very angelic, kind of a halo effect. Mm-hmm. I prefer the sunlight than turning on the light. That is nice. I do, mm. like, I do, I do prefer natural lighting. Very hard to get here where I am, but uh, uh, we have one side window and it doesn't face get any direct sunlight. So uh, I do prefer natural light. So you do, you know, it, it works for you, Justine. It works. So, you know, the, the fans at home can be like, wow, she looks like the staff of Raw. Um, <laughs> it's all thanks, I think. <laughs> all right, guys. Do you know that you look just like the staff of Raw? Now, we have, uh, I have a little something special. I'm going to try to, I'm going to see if this works. Um, mm. But our friend, uh, you guys know her as Sandy. Uh, she recorded something for us, and we're going to see if we can use it <laughs> uh, as we get into the Disney Movie Club. So talk amongst yourselves for just a brief second. I thought I had this loaded up, and I don't, but I'll see if Peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. See if we can get this to peas and carrots, peas and carrots. Here, since I'll give you a second, I'll tell you what that gin is. Hold on. Peas and carrots. Peas and carrots. Jake has now run off to... Too bad. Too bad she couldn't do it live. That would My be... My mind telling me no. What is going on Fuck over there? My body. My body. <laughs> what, is, what is that? Silent Pool. Oh, Silent... in what? Is that a band? Let's see. It's Oh, that's a nice bottle. Intricately realized gin distilled from grain precisely crafted in England. Huh. It's good. What's that painted on the uh the bottle? Is that goldfish or something? <laughs> ah, oh, cool. like, uh, nice. Yeah. Botanicals. Mm-hmm. I presume. Very fancy. Yeah. It's delicious. Especially straight from the bottle. 
Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. That's pretty good, though. All right, here we go. A little go. bit of a spice to it, but it's nice and smooth. There we go. We have a we have a new. If this works, if this works, we are geniuses. Maybe not. Maybe it's not going to work. Uh oh. Keep talking. I'll just keep on talking. You can present with it if it's on your computer. And you should be able. To, we should be able to hear it that way. Sounds like something a, a monkey would do with his genitals. All right, here we go. Present. Present. Mm. <laughs> yeah, monkeys present their genitals. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I don't want to present. <laughs> <laughs> Presentation is key. So whenever I say the superiority complex presents, and we have a side spinoff, just that's what it is. It's a monkey, Kong, just. Uh, Displaying his genitals for all to see. We got a little bit. Tell me, Captain, you ever I heard he of turned, Kong? He turned fifty this year, right? Who's that? King Kong. Oh, he's older than fifty. Oh no, like eighty. It's like eighty-six or something. By the way, uh, by the someone way, turned fifty. By the way, we—I'll tell you who just turned. Oh, 90. Godzilla, maybe. William Shatner mm. just turned ninety. How about that? Wow. I heard that Godzilla has a star, but. King Kong doesn't yet. Wow. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, Godzilla's mm. better. Say again? Godzilla's better. <laughs> Come again? <laughs> Godzilla is better than King Kong. So now we know who you root for when you watch you these saying, movies. Yes. <laughs> You're saying a giant yes. fire-breathing monster is uh, better than a giant fire, monkey? Jake. It's radioactive. Um, what is it? Uh, radioactive. Radioactive. Yep, he's Whatever. he's he's uh is he strong? Listen, bud, he's got radioactive breath. I see. You know what I'm saying? Well, King Kong's a big man? ape. He's a real he big ape. Yeah. I mean, okay, if you think about it, could a could a could a chimpanzee fight? If we're going to scale it down, could a jam- chimpanzee beat a Komodo dragon? <laughs> Right. That's really what <laughs> Komodo dragon. That's really what we're asking. Yes. That's, that's the question. That's, Maybe. Uh, all right, now maybe, maybe, but now you put bre- fire breath on that Komodo dragon. Now what happens? But the monkey, but the ape's really big. <laughs> no, we're using the big same ape. scale. I can't, believe, I can't believe this conversation. But could Gamera could Gamera beat uh, Rodan if he was? Uh, Gamera's a turtle in a Sean. tag team. Gamera's a turtle. What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Don't could bother it, me with that. Turtle, Gamera's a turtle. Could a turtle beat a large bat? I don't know. Is Rodan a bat or is he a pterodactyl? He's a pterodactyl, but those aren't those are extinct. So we have to try and go with a. Well, Godzilla's technically so extinct too. Parallel. No, he's he's like uh, he lives on in our hearts. Yeah, he's like more like an iguana, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, he's okay. In a, no, a only, in the, only in the horrible American version is he the iguana. That's a true. That's true. That that terrible Matthew Broderick Godzilla. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You mean Godzilla two thousand? Uh, yeah. What was that called? The one with Hank Azaria and uh, Matthew Broderick. What was that called? Was that just called Godzilla? It's just called Godzilla. Yeah, that was but pretty it was awful. Adver- it was originally advertised as Godzilla 2000. No, Godzilla. Is that true? No, Godzilla 2000 was a Japanese movie. No, I remember Godzilla. I remember it being. <laughs> no, you're, you're, 
no, no. Well, you've so, mis- you've misremembered because that's so not what it is. No, 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 no. You're I remember being an idiot. No, 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 no. I remember being dumb as fuck. You know, I, I would say this. Mario's I, like, I, uh, I, Mario's I, like, there's your brain and there's what really happened. Which is, <laughs> weird, yeah, which is weird that I remember it being called Godzilla 2000 because it came out in 98. So, yeah, yeah, so there was a Godzilla yeah. 2000 and it wasn't that. So maybe. Remember Patrick? But, remember Chewbacca? Remember, remember Chewbacca? Remember, remember Chewbacca? I totally remember it saying 2000. <laughs> it's okay, Jake. It's okay. Why? There Why was, my brain do that? Why my brain do this? There was a Godzilla 2000, and it was released here, but it was a Japanese production. Yeah, but I never watched that one because who cares about that one? It's, it's all about Matthew Broderick Godzilla 2000. Oh my god! Maybe you did. <laughs> Maybe I did. You don't have the best memory, so you probably probably did. <laughs> best best memory of what? <laughs> everybody is everybody. See, but why is it called you, Godzilla? Are you 2000 cutting? If it, are you cutting off your top knot? <laughs> no. See, that's dumb too. It came out in '99, and it's called Godzilla 2000. What is this? Is, because everything just... was 2000 in 1999. Because that was the big happening. I'm that's sure you're 2000. Because you're pulling. Oh, that's right. We're on the air. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm keeping no, this. This is all cut out because he's trying to find it. It's, no. This is gold. It's cool. showing how dumb I am, so of course he's going to keep yeah, it. Yeah, of course, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. Just insult- no, you mustn't. <laughs> no, kill it with fire. What? Monsters shouldn't play with matches, should they? Oh, now you- we're going to be pals, oh, you aren't could- we? You couldn't hear that. <laughs> I guess you guys What's couldn't that? hear that. Because... Hey, what? Okay. Was that Sandy? It didn't. It didn't show up. Hmm. Did she re-record the uh, opening or something? Just put it right up to the mic. I'm sure it'll be fine. No, that's not going to sound good. Just cut it in. Cut it in. Cut it in. But we want to hear it. All right, here we go. Ready? I'll play it. Uh huh. I'll play it on my phone. Okay. And then you can just cut this part normally. Okay. Shut up. There it is. How was that? That's Sandy. That was Sandy. (laughs) That was our friend Sandy. Sounds like Charlie Brown's. uh, Sounds like Charlie Brown's uh, teacher. That was Sandy on the tuba. Thank you, Sandy. That was fantastic. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. What if you said? What if you said it was Sandy on the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Only Jake would know after some wow. of the failed baking experiments that she makes Jake eat. <laughs> that was great. I love it. I loved it. It was great. Yay, Thank you, Sandy! She recorded two versions of it. Hold on. That was the that was the one I like. And here's the other one. Here, here it is. Yeah, thank you, Sandy. Here we go. Number one fan. <laughs> Your 
are in the club. There we go, guys. It's time for the Digital Movie Club with our new theme, courtesy of Sandy. Thank you, Sandy. On the tuba. Sandy is available to hire for all your tuba needs. You need a John Philip, <laughs> you need a John Philip Sousa uh, uh, a retrospective. She's your girl, right? Maybe some, uh, maybe a little, you want to do a brass band? There you go. Sandy's your man, all right? Go, you can check her out on uh, uh, Sandy's Tuba. Dot gov. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is that true? Does she have a website for tuba playing? No, not at all. Tuba, tuba. <laughs> it's a fans only site. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's just her playing the tuba. That would be great. What if she did a, a an only fan site and it was just her playing the tuba, but like porn music on the tuba? Farm circle. I didn't order a pizza. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, like Jake has to act out all the scenes. Like he's like, uh, pizza guy. Did anyone here order a pizza with extra sausage? And then she just starts doing the tuba music, and that's the whole thing. That's the whole video. Or it's just the loser music on uh, on Price Is Right. You know when they lose on that. There you go. Tubas are fun. I think I ordered the Adam Driver pepperonis. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Jake can, wear his, Jake can hike his pants up all the way up to his midriff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Guys, we had a great digital movie club this week. Very interesting. Very interesting combo. Uh-oh. I already hear people yawning and making noises. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the air deflating. Justine, which do you want to pick first? Justine, why don't you tell us Night of I, the Hunter? You want to watch you want to talk about Night of the Hunter? All right. So we watch Night of the Hunter, we watch Bridge uh, on the I River. To, no, no, no. I, I don't care whatever you I asked you so you could pick. So Patrick's going to So this week we did we did discuss uh, we are discussing two movies, Night of the Hunter uh, from 1955 and um Bridge on the River Kwai from 1957. So let's talk about Night of the Hunter. Take it away. Patrick, give us the breakdown. All right. This movie released on July 26, 1955, directed by one Charles Lawton. Uh, got an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I do not have a budget or a box office. All right. Justine, you picked, you start, tell us what you thought. Well, let's give the breakdown. What, why don't you give us the plot breakdown, Justine? What what happens in Night of the Hunter? Night of the Hunter? Mm-hmm. You want the plot? Yeah. Oh, man. If you had to describe, we're working together and you're like, hey, I saw this movie the other day, Night of the Hunter, and I say, what was it about? How do you answer that question? About this crazy man. I- yep. <laughs> I can't even. This guy is like <laughs> crazy man. You say a guy. So what you say is this guy gets out of prison, hides this money. He hides the money before he goes to jail. He tells his cellmate about it. The cellmate gets out and goes after the guy's wife and family for the money. Would be the easiest way to break. Well, it down. yeah, he kind of did the same thing. What was that movie we watched where the guys like talking and like giving away everything? When he was going in and out of sleep, we just saw that in another movie. I forgot what it was. It was a uh, the killers. It was a film noir. The ki- okay, yeah, the yeah. killers. 
Yes. When Jeff like Corey won't die. Talking about yeah. his daughters, and then he puts that thing in his mouth, his belt, or something. That's right. To stop talking. I was like, ah, oh, smart, 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 smart. Smart. Um, yeah, I mean, you're watching this boy who's traveling and coming up with everything. This smart little boy and his dumb little sister. <laughs> his dumb, slow little sister. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you. She, let me, like, did not care, and will take her time to go anywhere. Let, let me give you. Let me give you. Let me give you a, a quote. Direct quote from my wife. Uh, for fuck's sake, Mary, get out of the boat. <laughs> I've never seen someone take longer to both get in and out of a exactly. boat than I like would sing that girl. Like, come on, Pearl. Let's get on the boat. And was her name Pearl? Like, I'm no, sorry. I, I don't know why I said Mary, but for whatever. Her name's Pearl. Pearl yeah. 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 For whatever. Uh, that was my wife's quote. Some, some kids would have just said, give me the doll. You stay behind. <laughs> Seriously. I was like, do we need her? <laughs> Can't you like move, move the money you out of really? the doll into your pockets? And or she's something? a creepy looking girl. <laughs> Is she really your Pearl? sister? Is she really she's your little, sister? She's got a creepy, it's the haircut. It's one of those terrible haircuts where the bangs are like on the back of I her just, head or something. I just already figured we're killing the mom. Let's also kill the sister because this boy can do it on his own, but mm. he didn't go that way. Well, the dad said, um, take care of Pearl. You got to take care of Pearl. This is oh, a dad, do I gotta? dark film for that time. I didn't expect it to be that um, thrilling, I guess you would say. The shot that always the, the, the shot that always stays with me that I always forget and that I see is when she's in the car at the bottom of the river, and you see yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, that's a Jesus. very haunting scene. But yeah, you're right, Justine. This guy's ready to. He marries the the wife, bumps her off. But even the part where the guy's like, "You can always come to me," and you're like, "Okay, yeah." He's totally gonna go to his neighbor. And then the neighbor's freaking drunk and like can't say a thing. He's only talking to pictures, and the boy's like, "Wake up, wake up, Uncle!" or whatever his name is. And yeah, yeah, Uncle Barty. Was heartbreaking, and you're like, "This movie is not going the way I think it's gonna go." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and his whole like leaning thing is the creep. Like, it's so creepy. Even the boy when he says, "Does guy does this guy ever sleep?" It's creepy. <laughs> like you're thinking the same thing as this boy, but. For some reason, this boy is the only normal person in the whole film. That's Even true. The, yeah. the diner people or his neighbors are just also just as crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're all. Crazy. He's the only. He's Except like the, the only boy. sane. The boy is the only sane person in the entire movie. <laughs> he's the only one you can relate to because yeah. he's normal, <laughs> and everyone yeah. is crazy. And this boy. Oh, and then you feel for him, and the guy's being caught, and he's like, "Take the money. It's too much." And, oh. That, that was a good scene. Um, yeah, he cracks. I just could not watch the sister of Pearl. I just, <laughs> I just thought, like, you know what? She should go down with her mom. Just go down with her mom. They're getting chased by a murderer, and the first thing she does when they get to the uncle's house, she's like, I'm tired. I'm just goes to, tries to go to sleep. <laughs> like, um, excuse me, there's a murderer down. following you. You need yeah. to stay the fuck awake for, like, five minutes, please. They build it up when he's like going through the bushes, and you see her like just slowly getting in the little, the little boat, and you just want to smack her, like just knock her out and pull her and toss her in there. But this boy, <laughs> such a nice little brother, is like, oh, "I'll help you up, and you can take your time." <laughs> he should have said, "He just said, uh, Pearl, no hurry. We're just being chased by a maniac with a knife. No, yeah. no hurry. You take your time now." What, what if he, <laughs> no. 
yeah, no gonna get you a fan. <laughs> what if we would have gone? What if we would have gone full just chef from Apocalypse Now, where they finally never get out of the boat, man. Never get out of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then Pearl's all fucking a. Never get out of the boat <laughs> unless you were going all the I, way. I, I honestly didn't know how the movie was going to play out when he fell asleep on the boat and they land on, they go near the water or near the, um, the bank. And I was wondering, like, great. Now the guy's going to kill them. There's the end of the story. He doesn't need these kids. They can just kill them. And there goes the witnesses. But then they showed that lady and I didn't expect that at all. And she was, she was a pretty cool character. I liked her. Yeah. She was a badass woman mm-hmm. trying to, oh, she kept saying all these bad things about girls or about women. And I thought it was hilarious. She's like, women's women are fools. And that girl was just such a dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian Gish. What a but bitch. You know what? what a dumb bitch. No. I mean, but I love, but I love him. You mean, the part dumb that surprised bitch. me was like, the part that surprised me was that she thought it was weird that she gave that information. She oh. didn't have to think that, and she could have just went home. But she thought yeah. it was weird and said something. And that was, I didn't expect that to happen in the movie, but she did. And I'll give her credit for that. But otherwise, she's a dumb bitch for still like. <laughs> you, mean, you mean the little girl, right? Not Lily and Gish, right? You mean the little. And that. The, the and teenage that girl. For not slapping her in the face when she was staring at the little house. I. She's God bless her. She loves her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we know when she's standing there and they're running away. You're like, just hit her. Let's go. Uh, there's a, a lot of girls we needed to abandon in this movie and we didn't. So it's a, it's a good movie, I guess, because they cared. Uh, yeah, and you have to you have to like her character for just pulling out the shotgun and being like, well, I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna sit here. Oh my. Well, and that whole scene when she comes in with the light, you're like, "Oh fuck, you can't see him now." And of course, when he turns, when she turns off that light, he disappears. Ooh, that was a, good. That's a great scene. And they're both. And how about when he, she's singing and then he starts singing with her, and you're just like, "That's he's singing." And she's no, singing she's singing. No, yeah, she's, she's, no, he's she's already singing. Him. Oh, yeah, that's right. she sings with him. That's right. But that's she right. knows the words, and they're like doing a harmony, and that's like, boy, this is freaky. They're doing like <laughs> a, they're harmonizing on the same Patrick, song. Like, <laughs> he's already in your property. You can already shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Like, why did you have to wait? He's already sitting there in your property. I don't get it. What and about, I don't know why he stayed in that barn after she got him. What about that scream he lets so out? Stupid. I thought he was faking it. it. Seemed like he was faking it when he got hit. I'll be back. Yeah. It's a little back. melodramatic. Yeah, that scream. Yeah, like, he's faking it. He's faking it, guys. He's gonna come around the corner and get you, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I and wonder. I it was like was... buckshot or something. Yeah, I, think... I thought it was so precious when um, John wraps up that apple. Oh, it broke my heart. Yeah, it was so cute. It's a good and one. She like took it as like the best gift. I'm like, oh, love it. Yeah. I know she could have said, "Hey, that's my apple and my doily for for fuck's sake." <laughs> yeah, you asshole, stealing my shit. Are you putting it back? Up. Are you putting it back where you found it? <laughs> no, she was she was cool. Oh, and she was totally. Lovely. Yeah. I loved her. Yeah, I loved her a lot. Um, my question though was, so the money is gone, right? The, I'm guessing the cops just took it after that. Yeah, boy, they sure don't cover that, do they? But it's all it's all flies out of the doll. So, and they knew, they knew there was some money hid somewhere. So, Mr. Potter, that gets was the end of the money. Did they know they're in a whole different area? 
Yeah, I wonder. But they knew about Powell. They said, okay, that's the guy that killed their mom. So they knew that much. So who knows? I don't know. He hits <laughs> that doll burst open. All the money comes out. It's funny that they never really addressed that afterward. <laughs> like, where'd that yeah, money go? I was I was curious if they would have money out then, but I didn't see that. Boy. It didn't like, seem like it. If John could have just held it together, like, you know, after everything he went through, you can understand why he cracked. But if he could have just held it together five more minutes, they would have had all that money. And uh, what is what has Robert Mitchum been in? Because oh, I can't see him what in hasn't he been else. in? He's such a oh. great villain. Oh, yeah. And he's he's played good. He's played good guys, too. He's played some really awful bad guys, but he's also plays the hero sometimes. Yeah, he's great. He's a really good actor. I can't even imagine it. <laughs> Yeah, and he, oh, he's in. Some people say he was in the uh, the greatest film noir of all time, uh, which was Out of the Past, with uh, with him and Kirk Douglas. Some people rate that the best film noir of all time. So he's Ooh. great. Uh, we have we not we do, do we we haven't watched any other Robert Mitchum movies now. No, uh, not I was thinking we did uh, the story of G.I. Joe, which I think um, he was up for an Oscar for that with uh, Burgess Meredith playing uh, Ernie Pyle. That's right. That's right. But, Robert, but I guess we didn't watch it. No, we didn't. Uh, no, I don't think we've seen any Robert Mitchum, but boy, what a role. What a, what a great role for him in this one. And he does a great job. He, I thought he did a really, really good job. So good like that him. Spike Lee in... in, uh, in Oh, he's in The Longest Day. That's right. He is. Ah, you have seen him. With, he's, <laughs> but he's one, of a, he's one of a cast of thousands, right? <laughs> he's he's he in, been running by. Well, he's in a scene. They're, they're, he's at Normandy in a scene, and he's with Eddie Albert from uh, Roman Holiday, the buddy from Roman Holiday. They're in that sequence. Ah. They're stuck. He's the one that gets, he gives him, uh, on this, he gives him the speech on the beach where he's like, you guys are going to get off your butts and get off this beach. He's smoking a cigar the whole time. That's his little How about role. that? Um, I guess I have to rewatch it. You got to rewatch it, yeah. <laughs> I guess I so. need to watch it for the first time. But I was saying this is where Spike Lee gets the gets the love hate thing that he does in Do the Right Thing, where Radio Rahim does. Oh, Radio Rahim, yeah. yeah he does I, I kept thinking like, but you see this in a lot of things though, like where people put opposite things. Mm-hmm. But but the the Radio Rahim that's almost ver- verbatim. One? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that that's this is the first one, but the Radio Rahim speech, it's almost verbatim, right, Mario? I think so, yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So, I love how Lillian Gish is like, Yeah, 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 that's when she figures out he's a con man. Should, should I tell you the story of old brother hate and old brother love? And she just has this look in her eyes, like, Yeah, yeah, you're a con man. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah, falling no. for that. I mean, good <laughs> everyone else is all leaving the kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. I... yeah, that lady was great. Yeah, I mean it's the midst of the depression, and she's taking people in. You know, she's taking all the. She's like a she's like a mother hen. And, yeah. and yeah. what a great role for only being in. The, I mean, if you think about it, she's got second billing, and she's in the movie for maybe what twenty minutes, maybe mm. fifteen twenty minutes at the end. But boy, her scenes are all memorable, all all really good. And what a great adversary for Robert Mitchum. You wouldn't think this little old lady would. Uh, and she goes back to the silent days. This is one of those. She would have been. Acting in movies with Norma Desmond, uh, you know, if, if Norma Desmond were real, I mean, she probably made movies with, uh, with. Uh, why do I, why do I always want to say Gloria Swanson? Uh, well, it was uh, he. <laughs> she did all those uh, D.W. Griffith movies. You know, if you look at, at his silent movies, she's in most of them. And her, and she had a sister, Dorothy Gish, and uh, they were huge silent movie stars. So this is kind of like a comeback for her. 
kind of in the way that uh, Sunset Boulevard was a comeback for Gloria Swanson. I don't think uh, Lillian Gish had done that much reaching into the 50s. What a role, though. All right. I always think of her in that silhouette with the rifle, you know? (laughs) It's just like that silhouette of her holding the shotgun by the window, you know? Exactly. Well, even him riding on his horse and you see it, like when they're in the barn and you see him walking yeah. by yeah yeah it's shot a lot it was of- done really this whole movie like i was surprised by how much um it grabbed my attention and just kept me in it like i know you can like tell like patrick immediately was like it's an adult like okay cool so like the whole movie <laughs> were, like it's an adult but they say that pretty early on in the movie that you're like oh, okay like all right all right and then when they catch him and he, he gets the glass to fall on the guy's head, the mason jars, um, when the daughter gives up that it's in the doll, when Pearl says it, because she's a little bitch. Um, <laughs> she's good. like five years old. She's like five years old. She's horrible. Who's, let me ask you a question, Justine. She's Who's, a five-year-old bitch. If you're a five-year-old sister and you were little, you would have hit her. I would have hit her. I'd be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Justine, who's worse, <gasps> the kid from Shane or Pearl? Pearl. You think Pearl. so? Because Shane isn't entirely in the movie. If if Shane had to follow the whole time, it'd be a little annoying, but he's just we just remember him yelling and how annoying that is during that time. But it's not Shane the whole movie. Does not betray his family and sell out his brother. <laughs> or, and his brother's like doing everything to go against everything she does. Like oh she is God. five years old, god damn it. <laughs> Yeah, she's in, in real life. She's she's too little to even know the difference, you know. Uh, by the way, like she's still in. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna learn her lesson today. It's worth yeah. noting that this is the only movie that Charles Lawton ever directed, and we did see Charles Lawton at the beginning of Bride of Frankenstein. He plays. Uh, does he play Byron? Uh, no, he's not in that. Oh, he's, he's not, not in that movie. He's not. No, no, he's not. No. his wife is in it. Uh, so the, Elsa Lanchester, the, the director's yeah. wife, was the Bride of Frankenstein. So that makes Charles Lawton Frank Frankenstein. Mm. All right. <laughs> He's the doctor. Jake, what did you think of so Night of the Hunter? Um, incredibly unsettling. Yeah. He's uh, what's I forget what's the name of the actor again? Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum is so terrifying in a very subtle way. It's you can just he's a, you can tell he's just like underneath everything he's a psychopath and he's just trying to manipulate and just fool everyone into thinking he's just a nice person just to get what he wants. Mhm. Don't I don't I don't like it. I don't like him. <laughs> It's so awful. That scene, that scene when he was, that scene, he was literally sitting out there waiting for her to fall asleep and singing, leaning, leaning, leaning God, terrifying. Yeah. Just waiting, trying to like, almost trying to sing her to sleep. Mm-hmm. Almost trying to like lull her into like a false sense of just put the gun down, you know, eh. kind of trying to hypnotize her in a way. And, yeah. uh, and, and Pearl just is so frustrating that she's only five years old. So it's like, you really can't be too mad. But at the same time, it's like, you're going to die. If you don't hustle, hustle, you little shit. 
So yep. hop in the damn boat. Don't spend 30 seconds. Like, eh, oh, I didn't make it. Oh, hold on. Wait. Okay. Let me get just one second. Get the fucking as boat, he's like, girl. As he's like stomping down the hill, you're just like, we gotta go. We gotta go. It's time to go. Um, but the brother I thought was fantastic. The mother is like top five mothers and top five moms in all movies. Yes. Right up the right up there with Ripley with mm-hmm. um, Ripley Scott and aliens. Oh, that's a it's, great comparison. Actually, that's a really good comparison. It's like right there. It's like mother maternal instincts or it's like maternal instincts just kick in and they just do what they got to do to save the children or save their children. Uh, adopted mother, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. very, very similar. Um, 100%. I'm looking at a picture of Lillian Gish back in her silent days. Uh, just a really, you know, a very, just a beautiful, almost um, luminous. Angelic. Yeah, almost uh, luminous or angelic. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah. So, what a great role for her to come out, to be able to come out, like you said, John, you know, probably in her 50s by now. And just, yeah. and just like Jake said, uh, really make a role where she is one of the all-time great adoptive screen mothers. That's a really great comparison between her and Ripley, uh, Jake. I never thought of that. But she is kind of the prototype, the mother hen kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Her's kind of to the extreme because she's got like seven kids or something. But one, two, six? I think six. Six after she gets Pearl and the other, the boy. Yeah. John. Uh, what? He's right there. He's right below you. Yeah. Great. On the screen. Tone was fantastic. Whole movie. You liked it? Great tone. All right. God. He's, it's, I mean, uh, it just goes to show you that religious fervor is not a means for killing. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) He's got everybody fooled. It's like he's in the, he's in the, he's in the best place possible because they all, they, you know, they all want to believe that he's this good, this good guy and everybody, even the, what, I forgot the friend's name that owns the, the ice cream store. Yeah, I forgot to Icy know. Spoon. I can't believe those names. That woman's name is Icy Spoon. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. It's like really? A, it's, like, it's like a Batman character. <laughs> Talk uh, about yeah. phoning, phoning it in. Yeah. But somehow it works. Somehow it mm-hmm. works, you know. And you get five minutes of the, the you know Peter Graves before he's captain over an airplane. You get to see him here uh, for a couple minutes. And uh, what a great cast. I mean, everybody, the kids are well cast. I mean, she is a little kid and it's hard to work with little kids, but Shelly Winters is so heartbreaking because, you know, you know, she just thinks she's found someone to, you know, you know, start another family with. And you get into that weird where he's like, you're, you're a whore or whatever he tells her. Oh, he makes her feel so ugly. And it's the saddest thing. Oh, she's so good though. God bless Shelly Winters. She's so good. Mm. Every time we see her, every time we she's popped up in the um, Digital Movie Club, in, in we loved her in Poseidon Adventure. She was great in Winchester '73, and now another great performance in uh, and a really heartbreaking one in Night of the Hunter. Uh, Patrick, what did you think? It does. Man? It does. Oh, I'm sorry, John. No, I was just say you're right. It was a great performance. Um, one of the most terrifying villains of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene where he's sitting on his horse and just walking by is <laughs> just just so heartbreaking because you're like they're finally escaping and then you're just like 
no, no, fuck up. No, it's over. And it always proceeds like him showing up is you hear him singing first. And like you can tell they build it up because it's really subtle at first um, before he actually shows up. But God, is he terrifying? And she's terrifying too. Um, the oh, adoptive mom. mother. She's so terrifying, uh-huh. but like in an extremely powerful maternal way. Yes. Like it's just like, God damn, you don't want to get on the wrong side of her because she will fuck you up. <laughs> like you train, um, like you cornering like a mama bear or something. She's like, you can yeah, tell yeah. if you back her yeah, into a corner. Like, in a rip your no, throat no, it's out. Not good. <laughs> like, um, like the best you think is gonna happen is he's gonna he's gonna kill her, but she's gonna kill him. Like if it came mm-hmm. down to it, he's not gonna get out of there alive. Yeah. He might kill oh, her, yeah. but he's not going to get out of the life. He's going to get a knife between the shoulder blades or something, you know, like she's going to stick a, a knife between his ribs and he's going to bleed out before he ever gets the money. You know, you, you get the, the sense that he, you know, you, you, I think part of the tension at the end is you kind of want her to survive. You don't want anything bad to happen to her. Cause like yeah. she's, she's the, you know, she's the only redemption these kids are, have, you know, they finally found a place where they're safe. So you want her to survive, you know, the, uh, Mrs. Spoon is by far the worst fucking neighbor there could ever possibly be. <laughs> I, I cannot emphasize enough that she is a shitty, <laughs> shitty human being. She didn't hear any of this, any of this yelling. No, even Mr. Spoon was like, "Yeah, there's something not right here." Like the whole time, her husband is just like, "No, like something's not right," and she just keeps putting him down. I'm like, every single time, I'm getting but frustrated. He, he's a man of the cloth, Patrick. He's good, I swear, <laughs> dude. It's so frustrating, and um, I don't hate Pearl because she's slow as fuck. Okay, that five years old. <laughs> I can get that. I can get that. Being a five year old, you're struggling to get around. You're exhausted. You're tired. That's fine. The part that bothers me the most about her is for the amount that she's terrified of the preacher, she runs back to Harry Powell when he shows up at their new house. If you watch that scene again, she runs right to him and hugs him. Well, kids, though, think about it. I mean, kids want acceptance. Kids want to be loved. And this is someone that she, you know. How terrified, I mean, he hurt her and, like, how scared she was of him. It, it's just, she's fucking, she's an idiot. Well, she has, if, maybe she has dad issues. If they issues. didn't uh, make, like, the mom, the adoptive mom into a badass, you would think that the guy hates women by how much he, like, makes them act like this. It's so annoying. But And I was really well, terrified that he was going to turn out to be her son because she kept mentioning her son who left. I was really, I so really too. terrified yeah. that it was going to be him and I was going to be like, fuck no, please, no, this is going to yeah. go bad. No. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the child actors, but it was a the cinematography, while you can tell its majority is sets, it's done in a way that's really pleasing to the eye and it's mm-hmm. enjoyable. You know, um, but sometimes those sets work to your advantage. You know, that, that scene, like Justine said, or the scene where they're along, they're in the river and you just see him walking past in the background along that oh no i'm not complaining i like yeah it. It, it, you can stage sets like you can stage scenes like that better than you can do outdoors i think so i think yeah. it, it kind of gives it a more i think the fact that this is shot on on this on a stage gives it a little bit more of a of a intimacy and immediacy so like he's always like right there it's not like he's you know if they were outside it's like oh he's way you know he, he's never gonna see him. Yeah, he's always right around the corner. Yeah, it just seems like he, he could make. He, yeah, he could just make a right turn and he's right on the kids, you know. And you're just like, oh, 
get in the boat, Pearl. Come on. Please get in the Fucking boat. Pearl, and, he's, and he's just taking his time to go after them. If he decided to make that horse run. Yeah. He could have had them. He's toying with them for sure. He's, he's really, playing. Yeah. He's playing with his, his, with his prey. With his food. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, he, but straight up a hugely terrifying villain. Yeah, any, I would face down Freddy Krueger before I face down him. <laughs> uh, any, Fuck. Any before final, I face down her. Any final thoughts before oh. we score it? Any anybody else want to throw anything out there that you thought of that we didn't discuss? Oh well, yeah. Uh, oh, wait, John, uh, John, we didn't ask you. I'm sorry. John, That's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd That's like all right. to share my opinion. John, well, how did you feel, John? Well, here's the thing. I, here's the thing about John is I always forget. Because he's seen it and I've seen it. So I'm always, I really rarely go, I'll just feed off of you guys. And I'm sorry, I know that John has seen this. So I was so blown away by the guy, the fact that you guys loved it, that I was just like, oh, John loves it too. So what's the score? I'm sorry, John. <laughs> I apologize. No, that's okay. All I was going to say is, you know, uh, it's it's too bad Charles Lawton only did one movie because this was so so beautifully done, but it wasn't a hit. People didn't know what to make of it. It was a little odd. It wasn't a straightforward movie it, it had definite um you know it looks different sort of behaves different so it wasn't really a hit and so he he kind of uh kind of a sensitive guy he never tried it again you know he was he was uh, always recognized in his own time as a great actor um but he this was a stab at directing and because it wasn't a success he had just decided never to try it again and it's too bad because this is a one-of-a-kind movie and uh, the way it looks, I think some of that was intentional. So it would look like uh, things from a child's perspective. Yeah. Like when they're, when they're floating down that river and you see the animals and you see the moon, they said it almost looks like a fairy tale. It's almost like a storybook, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it almost it like illustrations. Like a longer period of time too. Yeah. When I, it, it realistically, I think it's maybe at most like two or three days. Yeah think it like it makes it feel like it's weeks on end which is when you're, yeah when you're a kid you don't have the you have a different perception of time like you know you, you like yeah like a day lasts forever when you're a kid you know especially when you're and school. also the i think some of the ways it was staged he said he kept it very simple because from a child's point of view you're only remembering certain things like the clock on the wall or the neon signs he wanted to kind of like take it from their point of view when they're when they're running from him you know and um, so I think that's why it has such a, an interesting look to it. And um, this guy that did the cinematography, he had worked with Orson Welles on the Magnificent Ambersons. So he really, he's one of these guys who knew a thing about lighting a scene. Was it uh, Stanley Cortez? Uh, that's it. Yeah, Stanley Cortez. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I just think for Mitchum, it's just amazing because, you know, he'd done, a, he, he'd done a lot of movies before this. I don't think anybody was prepared to see uh, him as such a bad guy. And um, years after this, about about nine years after this, he does a movie called Cape Fear, in which he's even more terrifying. Mm-hmm. Imagine this like times ten. Imagine this this character times ten, and he that's the guy he plays in Cape Fear, where he again he's preying on a family, and it's just amazing, <laughs> sort of you know uh, the depths that he can plumb as an actor to just show the worst that somebody can be, you know. And so you just see the beginnings of that in this one. And right from the beginning, I think when he, he's talking to God and you're going, God, this is like five minutes in and he's already talking to God going, thanks. You always steer me next to the next widow, next widow. You know, it's like, all right, this guy's a psycho. You know, he's, you know, his whole, uh, his whole use for religion is how do I find the next widow to kill so I can get yeah. some money? Yeah. So, 
you realize how rotten he is from like from the get go. So uh, yeah, I, this is this is really a good one, and uh, I think Lillian Gish. It's amazing that he that's how he reaches his end. You know, he has no idea that how how he's going to end up <laughs> with so, you know some old lady with a shotgun. You know, who's just like you're not setting foot in this door, <laughs> and I think he's just amazed. Like I can't believe that this is what's going to keep me from the money is this old lady. You know, old lady with a shotgun. So. So cool. She's like channeling her inner Pam Greer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a great character. But it's great. <laughs> you know, they're both, you know, they're both, uh, you know, he's sort of abusing. You could just see how he plays everybody in that town for a chump. You know, <laughs> they're all just knuckleheads. They just turn off their brain when they, they find out he's a he's a preacher. They just turn their brains off. But uh, Lillian Gesh, she's too sharp. Almost from the get, you know, from the, from the beginning. As soon as he starts talking to her, she's all, wait a minute. There's something not right here. And you just realize how terrifying that is. If you're little kids, nobody listens to you. You can see through the whole movie, nobody's really listening to him. You know, they don't feel like they can go to anybody and say, Hey, this is what's happening. This guy's chasing us down. He's the first one that really listens to him. And you just go, man, God bless her just for that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. Uh, yeah. How did you, when did you first see this, John? Uh, I think it was probably like a Robert Mitchum, uh, festival. They were showing everything because he's got quite a filmography and this is just, you know, this is really just a, an amazing turn. And, uh, what's funny, there's a funny story about him. Um, when, uh, Charles Lawton was trying to find out who am I going to get to play this guy? It's going to have to be a very unique talent to make it believable. And so he met with Robert Mitchum and he started describing the character. He says, you know, this guy's a real despicable shit. And Robert Mitchum went present. <laughs> and he said, Oh, wow. You really think you can play this guy. Okay. That's impressive. You know, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, let's rank it. Let's rank it guys. What did you think? Justine night of the hunter. Get your notebook ready. Eight. Give it an eight. Uh, Patrick. Eight. Uh, eight and a half. 8.5. Jake. Nine and a half. Nine point five, John. I give it a nine. Yeah, this is about a nine for me as well. Uh, this is about a nine. Uh, I don't know why I don't give it a ten. Uh, maybe just because some of the uh, stock footage of the animals, I guess, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> that really does feel like a storybook, doesn't it? They show the rabbits, then they show the turtle, then they show the owl. It, feels it like really feels like it's a storybook. Thing, like... <laughs> it feels like a Davy Crockett. A Davy Crockett. Like, like they're sticking a nature documentary. They're yeah. trying to sneak a nature documentary yeah, in on like, you. Oh, we're going through the desert. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it threw me it off. It feels like honestly. those. That whole part threw me off. I was like, oh, we're just showing that we could, we could have animals in this film. We are in a soundstage. We will pay for these animals. We have money for that. Like, it just felt, it felt weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird because they're in the foreground. You're like, okay, behind them, that's the soundstage. And in the front, here's a rabbit. Here's an owl. Here's Mr. Turtle. Here's this. Here's Look Mr. Fox. We can also do this. Here's Gamera and a radioactive <laughs> Komodo Here's dragon. a radioactive turtle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I'm really glad you picked up on that, uh, Jake and Patrick. It's really interesting that you guys really were terrified of uh, Robert Mitchum. That's, uh, that's kind of cool. He is, he is a, a threatening villain. He is a he is a great villain. I, it's not somebody that I shoot. I'd be afraid if I messed him in, uh, met him in real life. I think the only villain I can think of that is probably you know someone in a realistic world is probably 
the villain from uh, No Country for Old Men is probably <laughs> the only person. Yeah, I can very think similar. Of. Yeah, it's, for sure. Because he's got like his quirks and he sticks to them. Yeah. But very well. And you realize he's a serial killer because he's been doing this. You know what? He said there's like 12. He's done this 12 times already, you know. Yeah, it's like 12 just, wives, all of them uh, all of them widowed or something like that. That's what they said. Crazy. Yeah. So this is what he does. You know, he's like a. This is his MO. All yeah. right. Let's move on to a, a little a, something happier, shall we? Let's move on to some. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Something more cheery, like a POW camp. A little yeah. more cheery, like a POW. Ah, uh, yes. In, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the jungles of Burma, uh, we, we're gonna. We're, it's now time for Bridge on the River Kwai. Patrick, take it away. Tell us about uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. All righty, Bridge on the River Kwai released December fourteenth, nineteen fifty-seven. Directed by one David Lean, got an eight point one on IMDb, a ninety-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, starring one. Sir Alec Guinness, uh, with a budget of estimated $3 million, grossed $27.2 million worldwide. Made nine times its money. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. This is a huge hit. We've, of course, we're familiar with David Lean from his work on uh, Lawrence of Arabia, which uh, which got high, uh, high reviews from, uh, that's one of Patrick's favorites, I believe. Um, I like Lawrence of Arabia. Patrick, had you seen uh, Bridge on the River Kwai before? I'd seen like two thirds of this. All right. Well, why don't you I think, why don't you walk us through it? Tell us what you thought. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I I thought it was an interesting story to tell. Um, and being directed by the same director as Lawrence of Arabia, I was expecting it to be a little bit more plotting, as far as taking its time and slow to grow and stuff like that. And it's actually it moves on quite quickly. It doesn't feel that long for the three and a half hours it is. Um, I thought it was a well-shot movie and, you know, thoroughly entertaining. Um, Alec Guinness is a really strong character throughout the film. And then you see kind of his realization of, oh, fuck, I really fucked up. It's, it's heartbreaking because his whole thing with what he's trying to do is just keep his men alive and trying to do things the way that, you know, a soldier is supposed to do them. And he he loses himself and he loses what he should be doing. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking. It's really sad at the end of the film when, you know, you see what he realizes his mistake is and he realizes, well, you know, one, I should be proud of the work we did. But at the same time, you know, I'm a British soldier and, you know, I just cost the life of how many of these men right here. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. moment where he just says, what have I done? So for those of you yeah. unfamiliar, uh, Alec Guinness plays an officer who was captured by the Japanese in World War II. He's, uh, he and his men are put placed into a prison camp, and they are forced to uh, build a bridge over the River Kwai, the title, uh, the title of the movie. And Alec Guinness decides, we're not just going to build any bridge. We're British soldiers. We're going to build the best damn bridge that we possibly can. But at the same time, he uh, runs afoul of the uh, the command the commandant of the camp because the commandant of the camp insists that uh, against the Geneva Code, the officers will work alongside the men. So this leads to kind of a, um, a, a showdown of wills between the camp commander and uh, Colonel Nicholson, who is Alec Guinness's character. In the meantime. Uh, William Holden plays a POW at the camp who escapes 
and is then forced to return, lead a commando unit uh, back to uh, blow up the bridge. Um, and so it's, it all comes to a head at the, in the final minutes of the film. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Patrick. It is a uh, heartbreaking because he's so obstinate at first and almost unlikable, not unlike, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, a little yeah. bit aloof and unlikable at first because he's so adamant about, uh, about the rules yeah, being I think, followed. I think you, you grow to like him a little bit more the longer he's in there. I think that helps to really build your your like and the actual character because of the amount of time and the amount of suffering he does. Because realistically, he is doing it in his own sort of warped perspective for his men. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's you can understand from the perspective where he's coming from. It's not because he doesn't want to do the work. Like it's not because he's lazy, but it's he's trying to maintain some semblance of you know his his order. Uh, battalion yeah of order so and it's it's interesting and it's really you know tough to see the other side with you know um saito and you know how much he's struggling through everything and like just how scared he is that he has to get everything done and taken care of and i'm honestly like you can see at the end of the film he's planning to kill himself yeah, it's interesting, yeah, it's interesting that this movie makes you uh, sympathize with you know who the person who's ostensibly the villain, uh, right? Yeah. He's the camp commander, and you know they could you know, and you know puts them through you know torture and all this stuff and works men to death, and at the same time they're you're able to reveal that he's a human being. Uh, yeah, it's, know. it's very. It it shows really clearly the gray side of war, and how everything's really gets muddled and is not plain black and white yeah jake what did you think of uh, bridge on the river choir my man yeah uh, a lot of what patrick said i thought it was great kind of shows yeah it shows that it's not just black and white it's not just versus the good guy versus the bad guy that everyone has their everyone's trying to survive yeah you're right survival is is key it's why william holden does what he does i mean he's like the ultimate survivor right that's how he gets mm-hmm. away uh, but yeah, he fakes being an officer so that he tries to get better treatment, doesn't work, and then just rolls the dice and just tries to escape the camp and thankfully works out for him. But yeah, and then gets thrown right back in it because he, he lied about being an officer. <laughs> yeah, that, it does come back to bite him a little bit, doesn't, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy this uh, on par with Lawrence of Arabia? Did you see like any similarities or was it, was it a hard three and a half hours or was it like seven samurai three and a half hours? Um, it dragged on a little bit here and there, but not nearly as much as Lawrence of Arabia. Not because Lawrence Arabia is not a good movie. It's just, there's just for that one. There's a lot of just really solid character development and beautiful panning shots where, I don't know, I feel like this one was a little bit more streamlined. Yeah, there's, I think there's less to shoot in the jungle because you, you everything yeah. looks like the jungle. And whereas Lawrence of Arabia, you have these huge vistas where you can walk, watch a camel walk across a VistaVision screen for a minute or two. hour. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, there's less to see in the jungle where it's dense and green and hard to get around. This Now we have a cat on the podcast. That of cat on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, you really don't. You don't really have any of those scenes of like the kind of grandiose shots Mm-mm. in this film, except for I think when the bridge is finished. Mm-hmm. 
And that's really it. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think back of any, you know, like crazy, you know, scaled scenes. And besides like coming into the camp for the first time, it's the bridge at the end and that's it. And that kind of helps with the emphasis of the importance of what they're doing. Yeah, you're right. The, the focus is on the men. You know, it's a lot of close-ups of Saito and close-ups of Nicholson. And, you know, for being such a big widescreen movie, it's really a character study. And yeah. it's really the study of these two, you know, like a study in, in contrast between the two officers. And then you have all the goings-on with, uh, you know, William Holden and his team and our old buddy uh, Jack Hawkins, who returned from... Uh, <laughs> Uh, from Lawrence of Arabia as well. It's David Lean has like a like a a little group of people he likes to work with. You can you can tell all the side characters. Yeah, he's got his favorites. That's for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Justine, what did you think of Bridge on the River Kwai? You're a, a war movie guy. You're a, a William Holden fan. Did this all come together for you? I thought I thought it was interesting the whole way through. Like you're not really bored at all mm-hmm. in any of it. Um, I don't think we needed Shears or we didn't need <laughs> William Holden in the movie. I don't think that whole, his whole storyline didn't matter to me at all. Wow. Um, okay. It was Were you crazy. glad he was there? <laughs> He's cool that it was nice to hear his commentary when the new people were coming in. He's like, oh, we got to dig more graves and like, you know giving his commentary on how things have been going so far and how many people they've lost. But, um, after that, I was like, are you necessary? <laughs> like you could have been anyone after that. Like, um, but well, yeah, from his perspective, he's him, just in it for himself. Yeah. Watching him get out of situations felt human. Like it's normal for him to do that <laughs> kind of cowardly, but, um, I didn't, I, he was okay. I didn't really care for him. Um, Nicholson, though, or Alec, I thought he was he was a strong character. It was pretty sad at the end. And um, like I was telling Patrick, I was like, were, I asked him at the end of it, I was like, are the people on the train, were that the soldiers that were injured? He's like, no, I think they were supposed to come later. I'm like, okay. It would be tragic if those were the people. I don't know, unless you guys know the answer. If those were well, if the, they, um, I don't, disabled. Well, I think that, I mean, if you think about it, that was the whole mission, right? They were supposed to, you're supposed to delay and, and, and kind of, if you're a prisoner, right, you're supposed to delay the enemy. So blowing up a, a troop transport would be pretty big to be able to pull off if you're a bunch of POWs, you know? Uh, that's, that's, that's a very, but it's also going to come back as punishment. So I think it might've just been like a ceremonial train. Uh, I don't know if there were troops on it. Uh, but, uh, that was definitely, that was the most spectacular shot in the movie was the train going across. Cause you can tell they, they did a Buster Keaton. They're like, we're going to blow We're just going to blow up a real train guys. We're not going to use a model. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. we're going to send it. We're going to send a real train across this thing and we're going to blow it up. So. I don't know if they were. I, I can't remember if they mentioned that the troops are on there, but that's what the railroad is going to be for: sending troops and supplies. Uh, between, I forgot what the cities were. Oh, and, and yeah, and I, I mean, and you fall in love with Joyce, Lieutenant Joyce, and you know, you watch it, and you're like, oh, he's going to die. <laughs> and he has a love interest now. He's going to die, <laughs> and it's it's pretty. That whole scene was pretty sad. 
guy, he, I forgot his name. Um, well, well, Lieutenant Joyce doesn't want to kill. He, he doesn't want to kill a British officer. Right? So he's stuck with a choice, he too. He was like, yeah, when he goes and tells him, like, kill him, kill him. I was like, yeah, just kill him already. And it's just, it was, it was sad. And you feel for him, like, yeah, he accomplished that bridge. And it was a distraction. It was a distraction from what was happening. And therefore, he got stuck in that. And you feel for him that his bridge broke. It's sad. I thought it was sad. That's a great it was a nice like, bridge. Oh, it was a nice bridge. Awesome. That, that was a great way of putting it, uh, Justine. It's kind of how he deals with the horror of being in the camp. He has something to work on. He has a goal to accomplish. Yeah, like, and he had to be in charge. Like, he put himself up there, too. Like, and we're going to get all these people involved because then we're going to solve all of this. And then it's going to, like, it gave him all something to do. And, and it was what he was doing for the troop, but also for himself. Like, it was a distraction for him, too. And um, he got lost in it, which was unfortunate. But also, I get where he's coming from. Like, you're going to tell me to do a job. You're going to get how I do my job like if i made this you're gonna know i made it and it's gonna be the best because that's what i put up there and yeah he he had pride in his workmanship he wasn't gonna make a shitty bridge i don't know seriously I, i i agreed with him i was like i get it He's saying that they're going to make it, then it's going to be amazing. Like, they haven't seen us build a bridge, so watch it. And it I thought it was amazing. Um, but um, I was kind of hoping this bridge was still around. It's kind of sad that it got blown up. And um, the doctor is probably the only one who was like, all of this for this. And, you know, yeah. you I kind of have to watch it through the doctor's think, eyes to realize yeah. that it's dumb and everything that I happened. do think we didn't need him having his Planet of the Apes moment at the end of the movie. Oh, we're just, I, I, well, what he says, madness? Yeah, where he's repeating it over and over again. I get it. Oh, but yeah, you know, you know, he says it twice. I think somebody had to say it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you can tell like he's overacting. Yeah. It, yeah, it, huh. it, that part kind of stuck out to me. It was a little. Hey, that's our huh. friend. That's our friend from. Uh, that's our friend from The Great Escape. He plays the... I like him. He's a great actor. the RAF commander of The Great Escape. <laughs> I can't remember his name at the I moment. Mean, it, at least he wasn't, like, on his knees going, Damn you! Damn you to hell! <laughs> I mean, you maniac! Blow it up! It he, kind of felt like that. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Patrick's all... It kind of felt like that. It's funny because <laughs> the British actors tend to underplay everything, so he just goes, Madness! Madness! So he's not really emoting at all he's just kind of shaking his head he's, but oh no he's emoting like you can see like he's struggling through like watch that scene again like he is full on like the veins in his neck are popping out and like it's it's i get it he's in pain but in that situation if you're a doctor the first thing you do is to go check to make sure everybody's alive you don't stand there and go madness madness well i think it's because no, he's, but you know, the way he's like the way he's analyzing everything is just amazing. Like you watch it you know, from Patrick, his point of view, and you're like, "Yeah, this is this makes sense." But you're right, Justine. It's like him. Yeah, he feels that way. The, you're, Justine, you're right because what he's saying is he's basically going, "I told these assholes this was gonna something like this was gonna happen." Yeah, he's watching it all play out, and he's like, "Why?" Like it's it, you totally feel for the doctor. You're like, "We need this guy because he kind of pulls you back out," and you're like, "Yeah, this was." <laughs> yeah, I like. I mean, him. think I about. Like uh, that part. 
I mean, just think about what he just saw. I mean, it's really just how do you get your brain around it? You just saw, you know, like William Holden's character being fired upon. You know, I had to do it because what if, what if they'd been captured? You know, it was more than just the bridge. He just saw this incredible, insane uh, exchange between the troops, you know, not to mention what he's just seen over the last year or so. I just think, you know, that's probably as emotive as he gets. You know, Yeah. He saw British people kill British people and then the bridge explode and all this work kind of go up for nothing. So I don't, I, I'm, but I, I get it, Patrick. There's moments like that where I get a little cringy with when people show uh, certain emotions. Th- that scene doesn't do that for me though, but I, I don't, I mean, I can kind of, I, I see why he did it that way. Uh, but I definitely, there are scenes in movies where I feel that way, where I'm like, ooh, ooh that, that's a weird choice. But oddly enough, yeah. that, that one didn't. Oddly enough, that one didn't land like that for me. But I'm not saying you're you're wrong. You I mean, all think I'm a monster. But, I get it. No, I just think it. you know it's funny, Patrick. Back? What's funny is I remembered it much crazier. Maybe that's why I thought it was it was understated. I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and I remembered it as being more like vein bulging and eye rolling. And when he like did he, it, I said, "I said, oh, he only did it twice." I was thinking like he really he was doing a Hessen impression. That's what it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the way I remembered it. But then when he did it, I thought, oh, okay. Yeah. I so remembered it being him, more. Like, watching him walk the bridge and then he sees it and you're watching him think, they kind of get you, you, like, you feel like, oh, he's just going to, he's not going to say anything and he's going to save his ass and go across the bridge. And then you see, see that he's getting crazy because then he goes, something's weird. And you're like, no, just shut the fuck up. And <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps going he keeps going and you're like oh fuck he's crazy he's crazy he's in the zone and he goes all the way down and you're like what the dude like you are in the zone at that point just fucking shoot him yeah. <laughs> shoot him and blast the thing because why did we wait so long i mean even if you didn't shoot him and you blasted it he would have been okay at but because he was pretty far right yeah he wouldn't have yeah, done- i wonder if they could have reached him could they have reached him up there if they just blasted the bridge and he's like oh no my bridge then like it yeah. would, he still would have been fine and no one would have been on that train and that thing would have been just broken but um yeah because the guy even said he's like you only have to wait for the train just blast it um yeah but, uh, Can you imagine that, that when this played in a the theater back in the fifties, the whole audience must have been going, "Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! What's this wire? What is this? Something's not quite right. Shut it, up! Shut up!" It just, <laughs> it just doesn't seem right to like have this kid push it down when this other guy has more of a sense of when we should do it, and this kid's like mm. scared of killing people. Like, well, he couldn't. He's he so make inexperienced. It- He's so inexperienced, he doesn't know when to pull the trigger. Like, maybe someone else should have been there and not yeah. kid. Maybe William yeah. Holden. Maybe William Holden, but I guess you, you needed a British officer. I don't know why. But, you, you know, the, the 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 leader couldn't do it because he was his leg was all messed up. So yeah, think, he was, yeah. Then yeah. you put the other guy there because yeah. it makes sense. Or maybe the it old man. It doesn't make sense to put this kid there. Or maybe the old man, the the, the dad, the the dad of the, the, the girls. Or was that one of their dads? I can't remember. I always forget, but, um, you know, send him down there, but this, yeah, it just seems you put this kid that doesn't know. He obviously doesn't have the best timing that they were all yelling and thinking it. And he just, he 
didn't he couldn't compete that in you know his what, head. You know what thought I flashed make back, the right decision. You know what thought I flash back to when 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 he pulls the cape when he starts when you were saying like you're like don't do it don't go just shut up and just let it happen just shut up. I thought of mm-hmm. the wife, uh, the farmer's wife in the Seven Samurai. Like if she had given the alarm when she saw the fire. Like that's the yeah. scene I think of. Like she started screaming, "Fire! Fire! Fire!" It's the same thing. You'd be like, "Shut up! What are you doing? They're gonna, you're gonna get everybody killed." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've had like two scenes he, like that. He's like you. You think he's seeing it, and then that's when you realize, oh no! Like he's in a whole different. Yeah. He's in a whole different mindset right now. So you need to. He needs that little slap in the face to get in the freaking boat. In that. And not love that boy. In that minute, he is allied with Saito like he and Saito are allies in that in that moment they're no longer mm-hmm. enemies it's like this is our bridge yeah. you know look what someone's gonna blow up our bridge you know and it's not till he sees everybody start dying around him that he's like what am I doing you know I'm a I'm a British soldier this what am I doing this is so uh and then all one of the all-time great movie deaths because he just goes and then drops like an ad at and then blows up the bridge um, let me ask you guys this. Having only known Alec Guinness from really Obi-Wan Kenobi is the most you've probably seen him. What do you think of watching a home? Because we've seen him in bits in Lawrence of Arabia. But what do you think of him now after you've seen this uh, the Bridge on the River Quiet? Does this change your perceptive, your perception of Alec Guinness as an actor? No. Uh, I, I was thought he was seems... an actor. Yeah, he seems older here than he does in... Um... Star Wars. Oh, that's wow. interesting. That's interesting. It's because he's so skinny and fragile looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's like, he hasn't eaten, so he looks like the skinny guy that can't do shit. <laughs> and he looks old in this compared to Star Wars, which is kind of crazy. But, but you can kind of see what a casting coup that was to pull off. Because remember, nobody knows Carrie Fisher, nobody knows Mark Hamill. Uh, you know, Harrison Ford's been in a movie or two. But to be in something like Star Wars, when you get somebody like Alec Guinness who's done movies like this, that's huge. That's a huge, you know, uh, that gives that that lends a movie like Star Wars some legitimacy. You know, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that they got him. You know, because he's the only uh, name on the poster. Even Peter Cushing is kind of like people that know monster movies know Peter Cushing, but you know, Alec Guinness was the big name on that poster. You know. That's crazy to think now, John. What is this one of your? Where does this go in your pantheon of movies? How do you? Had you? How familiar yeah, were it's you, a good one. How familiar were you with this one? I've seen this a couple times. I saw this at the Egyptian. It's really crazy to see this on the big screen. It's kind of like uh, Lawrence of Arabia. When you see a David Lean movie on a big screen, you're like, "Holy cow!" It's just amazing. It's funny because um, he wasn't necessarily known for big movies until this movie bridge on the river Kwai. after that it seems like every movie he did was like a big epic lawrence of arabia dr Zhivago, passage to india it's like he made a decision at, at this point i'm just gonna do big movies you know because yeah, he had done like but, great, uh, great expectations before this and uh oh yeah he did like a lot of noel coward uh movies he did a, yeah he did a lot of dickens i think beyond great expectations i think he did uh, a version of oliver twist so uh he had done all kinds of movies, um, but uh, this one, and you're right, it's like, it's epic, but it really is a character study. This is really about the men, you know, it's about the bridge, but so much of this is everyone's got a different motivation. Everyone's got a different way of making it through uh, 
through the war and uh, surviving excruciating circumstances. The stuff that sticks with me is all that stuff in the first hour where he's like in the hot box. They stick him in that hot box. Yeah. And how you just wonder if he's even going to make it. He is so stubborn. He is not going to come out till he gets what he wants from, uh, from the commandant. And you just, it's amazing. It's a, it's a war of the wills and he wins. You could just see the look on, uh, uh, say Hayakawa's face. It's just like, you bastard. I don't know how I've you beat me. I've already given the order. <laughs> yeah. I've already yeah. Given the I mean, my God, by the end, yeah, he's ready to kill himself. He's been dishonored. This guy has taken over the uh, the building of the bridge. He's outdone him. He's beaten him in a battle of wills. And he's just like, who is this guy? Who is this skinny Englishman? <laughs> you know, He comes strutting out of that that sweat box. And it's it really is an amazing thing. For for some reason, those early scenes stick with me the most, because it's uh, it's so brutal. You know, you you see William Holden digging the graves. His first scene, he's digging the graves. He just goes, anybody gonna make it out of this movie alive? It's just such a brutal, uh, it's such a brutal situation. And uh, yeah, it's amazing that Alec Guinness. It he yeah he finds a way. He finds a way to survive by making it all about the quality of this bridge <laughs> every waking moment is how we're going to do it well. And they'll always remember that the British built this bridge when it stands here a hundred years from now. <laughs> just, it's funny how people just, um, the look on their face when they realize that he's not going to do anything to try to undermine them. Everybody else is kind of like, well, you know, we'll fuck up here and we'll fuck up there and they won't see it, but we'll, we'll undermine them. And he's all, no, no, no. He's all, nope. We're going to do a good job of this. And they just don't know quite what to make of them. You know, like, what are you talking about? You know, we don't want the bridge to be a success. And it is, it is crazy that it takes the very last moment when he turns around and says, oh, oh God, what have I done? And you just go, yeah, now, now you wake up. <laughs> you, know, you finally snapped out of it when, you know, it's the last possible second you can push that plunger down. <laughs> That's a little unbelievable, but, um, I don't know. I kind of, I just kind of buy it. It's not perfect, but I kind of, once you get on for the ride, you just can't let go. Yeah. I buy and, into it. Uh, I buy into it every time. I, I, I believe that he was so upset, but, but again, like Justine, you know, you're, you're trying to justify why, but like Justine said, it's a distraction to survive that brutality too. It's how he's surviving. It's how he's surviving. He's looking out for his men, but really this is. This is, yeah, one of the ways it's like a defense mechanism. How can he survive? He's got to make it about something else. Yeah. And then the other scene that always sticks out for me is when they're, tr- when they're telling William Holden they want him to go back. And the look on his face. And he goes, I just got out of there. And you're asking me to go back? <laughs> just the look on, it, it on his face is, I can't believe what you're asking me to do. There's no way I'm going back, you know? And, they, and, uh, and they're like, well, we have uh, about that. We have uh, – <laughs> Uh, and it's so subtle. He's so British. Well, it uh, seems to me, uh, see, we've known for the last week that you were impersonating an officer. <laughs> He's just like, uh, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think he's great in this, but I think it's really Alec Guinness's movie. He is so uh, amazing. You just cannot take your eyes off him. Every scene he's in, uh, it's really that character is the character you remember. So I'm sure it's, it's William Holden that, that uh, pulled people into the theaters Particularly if you uh, were in the in the USA, I'm sure that's the name that pulled you in. But uh, this has really got to be one of the all time great Alec Guinness performances. Yeah. Oh, before I forget, Jake, what did you think of the origins of the the whistling scene in the Breakfast Club? You got to see the origins of that. How did you feel? It's good. Solid. 
I that was that's just a big it's just a big fuck you to the camp. They're yes. Like, no, nope, we're just gonna continue business as usual and fuck you guys. By the way, I have this for you, Jake. It's a breakfast club juice glass. So you're gonna drink yeah. your cocktails. I have it for you Wait, here. Right. What's the shape of it? What's the, what, what's the shape? The shape it's the shape of water. Is it just a normal glass? Is this a normal glass or is it? Oh no, you can use it like it's a, it's like between a shot and a, and a regular glass, but it says oh, sincerely okay. yours, the Breakfast Club, and then it has a picture of the gang on there. Oh, all right, I like go. that. I'll have that for you. Don't don't let me forget that. Uh, next, and that's got the bridge on the back, the bridge yeah, of the river choirs on the back. <laughs> you're gonna whistle Colonel Bogey, and you will do work alongside your. Uh, the officers will not do work. Uh, man, uh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, I wasn't sure you guys would take it. It's a little bit of a character study, but I, I think it's an interesting movie. I, I, it's not a movie that bores me, so uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys kind of dug it. Let's uh, let's uh, wrap it up and let's score this sucker. Patrick, what'd you think? Uh, eight point five. Eight point five. Justine. Nine point five. Nine point five. What kept it from being a ten? Just the the fact. That, oh, how many mops did you need for William Holden this time? Was he moppable this time, or was he less moppable than he was in? The only one cute in this movie is um, Colonel Saito. Uh, what's his name? Nancy, not Nancy. Uh, the young boy, the Canadian, from the-, the Canadian dude. Yeah, I liked him. Uh, all right. Nah. Wow, that's that's interesting. No mops. No, no mops. mops. All right. Well, you're fickle. You were all about William Holden last week, and now dry. you're fickle. All dry. Dried out. Wow. Dried out. Uh, Jake, have to watch Picnic. Dried out. Jake, what do you got? All dried up. I give it a nine. Give it a nine. John? I give it a nine. Yeah, this is a nine for me as well. This is a nine for me as well. 9.5. What kept it from being the 10, though, Justine? Um, I just didn't really, I didn't think we needed the shares part. Okay. I, wow. I felt like, How about that? I felt like that was the whole part of the movie that I was like, why are we still following this guy? And that adds, and like, that, adds, huh. that adds about 30, 45 minutes there. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's his whole story. You're like, all right, okay. He's just here for the girl. Then you get this whole story and like, it just didn't matter to me. It didn't. Like it huh, could all cut out. It all could have been cut a little bit shorter with his parts. I just didn't see the point in him. I wonder if he's in the book. Do you know Mario? If he's in the book, that character? I don't know. With that, because sometimes they'll modify something so it plays better. You know, in all the countries. I wonder. Sometimes you'll find out. Uh, like Touch of Evil, uh, not Touch of Evil. Third Man. Those the two characters are supposed to be British. Harry Lyme and Holly Martins were supposed to be British. And uh, they they made him American. So I wonder if in the book, the bridge on the river Kwai, if if that American character is in there. Mm, I'll have to check it out. I'll, we can look it up. A quick Google search will tell us that. But uh, you know that's uh, you know the guy that wrote the book is the guy that wrote the book Planet of uh, the, the Planet of the Apes was based on. That's right. Yeah, that's Pierre right. Boulet. And that's yeah. why he's impersonating Heston at the end. Man, Old that just wrecks baby. it for Patrick Old right purple. there. I'm just uh, saying, everything came back together. Oh, there you go. That's right. And ex- and like when uh, Alec Guinness came out of the sweat box and said, I don't remember owning a droid. <laughs> what if he did? Exactly. And they're like, he's delirious. I would have liked if he came out of the box and went, hello there. <laughs> 
Uh, here it is. Shears as a British commando, like uh, like Warden in the novel, became an American sailor who escapes the POW camp in the movie. So he, okay, he was so in the book. He's British. In the book, he's British. But you're right, John. There's probably a, an attempt to so it will play in America. Uh, a great escape, right? Same thing with the great escape. The, I don't know that there were any Americans in the uh, in the actual, you know, the the true story. But they had to put Steve McQueen in there, so they said, "Well, we got to have one American," <laughs> and you know, James Garner. But I think I don't know if there there were any Americans I that believe, were part of that great escape. I believe the Americans were working on their own uh, escape plan. I think I've read there that they had their own. Yeah. Thing going. yeah, there might have been some Canadians or something, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Sometimes they do that. They say, "Well, if this movie's going to play in America, we got to got to stick a yank in there." Yeah, it works. I mean, it worked in it worked in both. Uh, I feel. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, well, he's a good actor. You, you know, you, you can always tell it's kind of obvious when they do it. All right, Justine, what's yeah. on tap for next week, buddy? Uh, John already said it. We have Touch of Evil and we have Vertigo. Wow. Touch of Evil. Wow. Vertigo. Evil. Touch of Evil. 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 Now, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you like the way Night of the Hunter was shot, you're gonna you're gonna really. Enjoy the sweaty environs of a touch of evil. <laughs> evil. Evil. Touch of evil. And uh, boy. Yeah, that's a good vertigo. We're, we're going back to Alfred Hitchcock. So uh, I, I'm curious to see what next week holds for you guys. So when does Hitchcock stop making movies? In the 70s. 70, 70? 75 is his last movie. Mm. We don't. I think this is going to be the last Hitchcock movie, though. This is the last one. This is probably his most, arguably, some say his best, this or Psycho or. You know, um, for like the last 40 years, they do this big film poll. Sight and Sound Magazine does this big poll. And for like the last 40 years, the the top movie of all time, as voted by all these these critics, it's been Citizen Kane for decades. And uh Last time they did the poll a couple years ago, it was Vertigo. They say Citizen Kane finally got knocked out of the number one position, so they now consider Vertigo the best movie ever made. Wow. Yeah, it's just one poll. It's one poll. But it's kind of amazing out of all the Hitchcock movies that that's the one, you know. It's a good one. We'll see. We'll find out next week if that's worth the hype. Yeah. Yeah. Next time on The Superiority that's Complex. That's it. Justine. You were great this week. Thank you so much for uh, all of your input. Jake, thank you for your cocktail advice and uh, just the cats that you bring to the podcast. Patrick, mm-hmm. I really want to compliment you, but you make it hard, so I'm not going to say a word. And <laughs> no worries. But I can help. John, as always, the right, the right-hand man, the, the, the rock, the, the cornerstone. The what's what are some words I'm looking for? These are all words. The glue, <laughs> the glue, the albatross. Ah, yes. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm pumped for next week, guys. Uh, I, I'm really glad you guys enjoyed this week, and uh, I'm really glad you guys. I'm really blown away by Night of the Hunter by the reaction that got. I'm really glad everybody dug that. That was fun. Uh, not that I didn't want you guys to enjoy uh, Bridge on the River Kwai, but. Night of the Hunter really kind of took me for... I see Obi-Wan right there. There's Obi-Wan. Obi. Uh, there's a dog Obi-Wan. and a cat. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. All right, guys. For John... Dog whistle. For John, for Jake, <laughs> for Patrick, 
for Justine. We were going to tell you that this transmission ends now. And remember, there are two things. There's love and there's hate. And then they do this thing, and then boom, and then bah. And then they, they arm really wrestle, wish, and then... <laughs> I wish one of us had memorized that speech before we did this show. <laughs> Would have been really mm. fantastic, John. Do you want? Leaning. Do you want to? Do you? <laughs> Why are you singing it like Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis is the preacher in Night of the Hunter. <laughs> leaning, leaning, and then he's all, he's all children, children, all uh, children. <laughs> Why'd you push me down the stairs with the falling and the thing and the hey hey hey? It hurts me. <laughs> Leaning. Clavin. Leaving. Leaving Clavin is leaving. Sexual healing. Everlasting and the loving and the healing and the feeling. <laughs> Sounds like a. Professor Frank. What's that guy's name? Pudding. The Pacello guy. Oh, oh no. Bill Cosby. With the jello pudding, that's what Jake sounded like right now. <laughs> I think you could put Colonel Nick Jerry Lewis is Colonel Nickerson in Bridge of the River Kwai. <laughs> That'd be great. What have I done with the blowing and the killing and the hey, hey, hey? <laughs> uh, those monkeys are gonna pay. <laughs> uh, good job. All right, guys. For John, for Jake, for Patrick, for Justine, we say madness. Madness. Until next time. This transmission ends. <laughs> <laughs>